awesome. And welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking about Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer, all of the characters they announced, all of the different modes, and there's just a lot to dissect in there. And we'll also be talking about the really cute but also questionable Skyward Sword amiibo that seems to lock a gameplay mechanic behind its purchase and a lot more, especially some topics that Tom might be uh, very passionate about. I don't know if you can <laughs> guess what that is, but we'll get to it soon. But I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Brian Altano. Hey, it's good to see you all again. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. And Cat Bailey. A wild cat appears. Command. Perfect. And Tom Marks. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hi. I'm so glad you all could make it, Brian. I know it's been way too long. Kat, I know that you appeared while Seth was guest hosting a little while back, but I'm happy to have you back and to finally be on a podcast with you. Um, let's start it off with the Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer. There is so much information and so much more information that came out even beyond this overview trailer, but it looks so much fun. These new additions look great. So just very quick overview there are there's the basic multiplayer mode that we all expected and love with four player multiplayer local and online play there's also speed golf which i'll get into in a second there's also battle golf which is kind of like speed golf but with uh, some special rules and then there's golf adventure which is a golf rpg with your me that you can then get points to put into stats it all looks great it looks awesome um tom but Brian, I know you're looking at this for the first time, so let me explain this to you. Hopefully I do as good of a job as <laughs> the trailer did. But Speed Golf is a frantic mode that lets you and up to three friends tee off at once and then race to your balls after you hit them. And Speed is the name of the game, and your goal is to be the first to get your ball in the hole. So everyone goes at the same time. It is a frantic free-for-all where you're just trying to get your ball in the hole faster now, than anyone else now what is golf can you go can you go back a little bit no this uh yeah i'm actually looking at this for the first time um when the trailer hit uh i was a little preoccupied with some other stuff but i'm looking at it now and i'm very into it this game looks gorgeous i i i noticed some stuff uh that people were kind of picking apart in the way the uh the layout of the courses is they're all sort of interconnected which is really smart it it, it gave me sort of uh kind of like a woohoo island kind of vibe where there's this natural kind of overview setting here uh, that compartmentalizes all the courses within it, which is really cool. And I imagine that's also part of almost a necessity for speed golf too, right? Because since everyone is just going at the same time, potentially they could have you just do multiple holes in a row without stopping. We don't know if that's the case yet, but like that, that that's, I agree. I think it's a really cool, cool world to build out. Action golf with yeah. Nintendo. I love it. Yeah. yeah. This it game does. looks really cool. It looks really, really cool. I really uh, like uh, Bowser's like, Guy Fieri costume. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the characters have really interesting, like, funny costumes, like Waluigi's mm -hmm. pinstripe suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I know, Mario like, and fashion, I, totally. I like the addition of King Bomb on, but also, like, where the heck did Charge and Chuck come from? Like, why? The I, I don't know whether I hate or entirely respect nintendo for footing, putting a football player in a golf game <laughs> um, 
it, it's silliness. just the audacity of it is amazing to me and i like i saw it at first and i was like that's a dumb character and then i thought about it for like a half second more and i was like okay this is kind of brilliant <laughs> like he literally has, has to be an in yeah. joke yeah he literally it has to be an in joke right yeah. a camelot they're like yeah. well, what about charging chuck huh? yeah he literally has really a move where he they never really explained why he was in super mario world to begin with right like there's not right you know he also doesn't he also throw baseballs in that game what in this game oh my gosh he does yeah, he's so. just a he he's just a, a sporto yeah in this game he has a move where he hits the ball up with his club catches it and throws it at the hole as like his power shot gotta be illegal I, that, that's what i said he's just a um, sports guy yeah he's just well, the i'm gonna be the sports <laughs> I'm going to be playing as Charge and Chuck because I am all in favor of Nintendo's deep cuts whenever they do these sports games. I'm always going to pick the most obscure character mm-hmm. possible. I like. I appreciate I mean, I Wario guess... is dressed like he's like a corrupt dean in like a 70s college movie. It's very weird. <laughs> I, like, I don't know about his outfit. I'm into it, though. Yeah. I also just wanted to quickly mention Battle Golf is like Speed Golf, but there are nine holes on one single course and players are tasked with being the first to claim three holes so it's just a complete golf free-for-all first to get three holes wins uh i wonder that sounds like a lot of fun if it was even more than four players as well i wonder if they would ever do that more than four but i was also really intrigued by golf adventure so it's not just like it's not just like a golf tournament it's you are in a town and you're being tasked to do different activities that have to do with golf like oh do you think you can get this ball into this big pot like just random stuff like that. So you're talking to uh, Super Mario characters who are asking you to do things for them. It just looks really cute and cool. Like, I don't know. I didn't expect to be as interested in this game as I did. Because, wow, Mario Golf, like I played it before. Like there's only so much entertainment I can get out of playing golf with friends. But there seems to be so much more to this game than just doing the same like golf tournament repeatedly. What, what was up with the Koopa with the like the Jedi robe back there? I have some questions. Seems like he, he has questions for you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- this is always the question to me with Nintendo with Mario sports games is like how, for lack of a better term, like how ham are they going? Right, like it's it, they can either oftentimes be like play it safe and just sort of be fun but forgettable, or they can go all out. And this one feels like it's going all out and is doing mm-hmm. a lot more than I would necessarily expect from it which is exciting mm-hmm. now, yeah the last mario sports game was a little bit underwhelming i think that yeah. was mario tennis aces yeah. so it got a 75 on metacritic and i sort of felt like i i'm hopeful that mario golf is going to be a bit better not the least because mario golf is one of the most venerable nintendo sports games out there it goes all the way back to at least the game boy possibly further so and it has kind of a rich history uh, across the Nintendo 64 and whatnot. So I think that maybe out of all of the Mario sports games, Mario Golf might actually be the best one. So, And Golf is a weirdly flexible game. There's a game for the Sega Genesis called, I think, Battle Golf for Yui, which is about you fighting anime supervillains through golf, which is great. So Amazing. <laughs> More of that, please. I mean, we also had... Do you think this will be... It'll probably be totally different, but I'm just making the very base high, like very base level comparison to Golf Story. Mm. Did you guys ever play Golf Story? Have you guys? Yeah, played I, re- Story? I reviewed yeah. Golf yeah. Story. Does the RPG mode in this look at any way similar to that? 
Somewhat, but we'll have to see, right? Because the thing with Golf Story was that it was like a very linear story, right? That you then did like side quest stuff outside or around. So like, we'll have to see how much this actually has like a story or is more like just walk around the town and do quests sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I I can't tell entirely from this trailer yet. I also wanted to bring up that the me that you raise the stats with while you're playing in golf rpg you can bring that me over to all of the other types of games you can allocate your points between power stamina speed control and spin to improve it however you want and then take it to another place and i wonder if there's going to be like some sort of like mario golf meta where there's one me to beat them all like if you want to win and speed mario and etc oh i'm sure eventually (laughs) i want to have arguments over a mario golf meta it's gonna be great (laughs) I'm sure I mean, it'll be every bit as great as the Super Smash Brothers meta. Is there something wrong with me that my brain immediately goes like, "This is going to be a meta for every single game that I look at"? The other you people have meta do brain. that. It's okay. It's it's a it's a video game thing. It's going to happen. It's fine. I think it's normal. Also, it's fine. Also, we can just have fun with it. It's fine. You don't need a meta. Just play your favorite character, and that's all that matters. I just recently started doing that with Smash, where I'm not picking the best character every time. I'm just like, I'm just going to have fun and use a different character, and it's okay if I don't win every time. It's it's a revelation. You're not a Fox Final Destination player anymore? I'm not. (laughs) I used to be a Pikachu Final Destination player only. That was it. Ooh. I have have strayed away. I'm playing different characters now. It's fun. I'm really proud of you. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm proud of myself. Playing different You're characters. making concrete steps forward, and that's what's important. <laughs> we'll help you. We're here for you. But I also wanted to mention the full roster a little bit more. There are 16 characters. We already mentioned Charge and Chuck and King Bama, but there are a bunch of other characters that you expect to be in these sort of games, like Wario and Waluigi, Yoshi, Daisy. Uh, pa- uh, Pauline is... This is a first in a Mario sports game for her, I believe. So... That's cool. And Logan, our uh, production assistant, also wanted to point out that Mario and Luigi are speed type characters in this game. And usually in sports games, they're always the all around type characters. So that's an interesting uh, step away from what they normally do. And I'm wondering if it's because Nintendo knows that speed characters will have an advantage in the speed and battle modes. Mm. I That's wonder if assumption. it's because Nintendo wants you to actually pick Mario because <laughs> Mario is always the all-rounder, so nobody ever actually picks him because he's mm. he just doesn't have any advantage in any category. And then maybe Nintendo's going, maybe we should give Mario an advantage. Maybe maybe our mascot should actually be like good. I don't know if I'm like, like weird or boring or both, but I I like usually pick Mario in in games where I have the option, especially Mario Kart. I don't know why I've. I've just I, I think I've been playing as Mario for so long that if I switch to somebody else, everything feels off to me. Really? Yeah, I'm boring. I don't know what to tell you. I play I don't as Rob in Smash Brothers, so, you know. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's a cool, interesting pick. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never pick Mario. I always use uh, I always pick Yoshi and in Mario Kart, I pick Toad because mm. he's light and I could use the bullet bill cart in Double Dash. Yeah, I think I, I like usually Peach and I like Koopa Troopa. Mm-hmm. Those are my two. Koopa, I'm a big fan of Koopa too. I usually go for like the like the Boos or the Koopas or Toad. Those are usually my picks. I'm disappointed Dry Bones isn't in here. I like Dry Bones. Yeah. Just a mm. skeleton Koopa. He's spooky. I like him. But I'll go over to King Bob instead because he <laughs> spawns bombs in landing lo- landing zones. By the way, they all have different powers that can do stuff. So that might be a, a 
an impactful decision on you as well as to who you're going to pick. But I think that's about it for the Super Golf, the Mario Golf. I wanted to say Super Mario Golf Super Rush. That's not no Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer. I'm sure we're getting more information about this soon. This comes out in late June, very soon, in a little over a month, I believe, maybe less than a month. But I wanted to move on to some other news that at first I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, wait. And this is the announcement of Skyward Sword Amiibo. So the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword Amiibo is going to be Zelda and a Loftwing. It is very cute. It looks nice. It is very expensive at $25. And I guess that is to be expected with a an Amiibo that is big. And I guess it is technically like two figures in one, right? Like you're getting a Zelda and a Loftwing. And it, it's not... I, I guess it's not big, big, but since it's a lot it is of plastic. two characters, right, right, it's, because the base is this is the regular size as as your average amiibo, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess so. But yeah, it's all right. It's expensive. It's going to come out the same day as Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword on July sixteenth. However, it includes a game mechanic that is not going to be included in the base game without this amiibo and. You can use it to return to the sky. I feel like without context, this isn't going to make any sense. So if you haven't played Skyward Sword, uh, the game is kind of separated into two different places, the sky and the surface. And the surface is a bunch of different locations. It's where your dungeons are. That's where you're doing your exploring. And the sky is where the town is and where you go on your loft wing, which is that giant, uh, what, what are they called? The shoe bills? Giant shoe bills fly around. And you have to go to different beams of light in the sky to then go down to the surface in certain places. So in the original game, the only way to go back to the sky was to go and find these bird statues. And then you can go back to the sky and then you would find one of those beams of light that would then send you back down to a different statue if you so choose. Mm -hmm. This amiibo allows you to fast travel to the sky whenever you want, even in a dungeon. And it allows you to return immediately to the point where you just teleported from even within a dungeon so it's a really cool quality of life fast travel um addition but you will not be able to use this new fast travel game mechanic unless you have the loftwing amiibo yeah i hate yeah, this is this okay <laughs> yeah that's pretty rough uh by nintendo and i think that Nintendo is deservedly getting pushback for effectively locking a key quality of life improvement behind what is um, amounts to physical DLC. And $25 is an incredibly steep price for it. I mean, in the past, they've had bonus content behind their Amiibos. For example, they had a uh, Twilight Princess, Midna and the Wolf Link, uh, which unlocked uh, special features. But and I, I'm a little... Like, okay, maybe that's like physical DLC, but this is like a key quality of life improvement to something that was actually kind of annoying in Skyward Sword. So mm -hmm. I'm surprised that Nintendo made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the sort of, if, if, if the ideology behind Amiibo to begin with was always like, here's a really cool figurine that also uh, creates an additive value to your video games by unlocking something or having some sort of mechanic, something interesting to it that made it more than just a figurine, right? Um, but I feel like they've, you know, there's the sort of like cart before the horse type of thing that's happened here or like a chicken and egg scenario where now instead of just getting a cool figurine, they feel like to justify it, they have to put a feature on it. Um, and uh, it's 
they're holding back that feature from people who don't have the item. And that's kind of a bummer because uh, I would love to just, you know, be able to say that Nintendo's making cool merchandise. Like, I, I feel like we're, you know, years and years into the Amiibo game now. I don't really necessarily feel like they have to do stuff like this. This is this once went from being like this massive market for them to being something that I think like hardcore collectors are swooping up individual uh, Amiibo at this point. I don't think uh, only a small group of people are still collecting every single one. People like Pear, right? Like Pear gets every Amiibo. Totally understandable. I get it. There are collectors out there that love them all. I, as you can see, I have a bunch of junk behind me. I love collecting stuff. <laughs> but to to me, like the the value proposition of this thing doesn't really add up. This is a beautiful figure. It's uh, you know, it's really well done. But for twenty five dollars, if you look at like what you can get for in other toy markets, like that can get you a you know a Star Wars Black Series figure for twenty bucks with our points of articulation, accessories, you know, uh, you know, soft goods, all this cool stuff. Um, Hasbro uh, makes Marvel Legends. You know, if you want to get like a a Thanos or something like that, you can get a figure in that scale. Like these are fully articulate six inch scale figurines. And this is a amiibo that's like three inches tall. It's, you know, a fraction of the size. It doesn't have any articulation. It's gorgeous. But for $25, we're looking at twice the price of what amiibo launched at just, you know, a few years back. And so uh, adding that plus paywalling this feature uh, that should be accessible to everybody because you know, the, when when Wind Waker launched, like quality of life stuff was abound in that on the Wii U version of that game. And I would like to see that stuff here in the base game, too. So I I don't know how they fix that. I really I, I really wish they would just make that feature accessible for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Brian. And that's not even taking into account the fact that there might be shortages. Yeah. With this particular 100% amiibo. will be shortages. Yeah. Like people mm -hmm. will not be able to get a hold of it. Like the the Monster Hunter amiibo weren't even that like they didn't even introduce that integral features like they offered layered armor which is cool but it's not going to change the way you play the game and those were incredibly hard to get yeah i i think there's a couple things that are important to point out which is this isn't the first time like brian was saying this isn't the first time nintendo has sold dlc through amiibo like this um it isn't the first time that and also like you said this is a really pretty figure right like all of these things can be true and also this still be really, really frustrating because like, I think what it comes down to is what, what Kat was saying also of like, it's different. And also what Casey just said, it's different than just like a cosmetic where this is a complaint that people had with the game that mm. this thick, like this is a thing that it, it would be like if Sky, uh, Wind Waker HD if that faster sale was locked behind an amiibo, right? Yes. Where you'd just be like, why? Like, Very actually, fun. I think that this is worse than that if they had locked that sale behind an amiibo, honestly, like in the terms of how good this quality of life feature is. Um, the thing that frustrates me about it is Kat's totally right. There's going to be like, no one's going to be able to buy this thing because it's going to sell out. But even if this wasn't tied to a physical thing, even if this was $5 DLC for this feature that you could just download digitally, I'd be furious about this because it's just it's this is like a basic quality of life feature where you're already adding basic quality of life features to this game. So mm -hmm. why are you cutting this one out to sell it? Like, I just don't get the logic behind that at all. And I think that very clearly Nintendo just like like you were saying, Brian, is looking to add value to these things. And in this case, overstepped. Yeah, yeah, Tom. And I think that, well, a couple points. First, 
this is my conspiracy theory hat. I think that Nintendo uh, is looking at the potential sales of Skyward Sword HD and going, we really need to get as much money out of this as humanly possible. And so they made this decision to try and quote unquote add value to the Amiibo so that they can potentially get more revenue off this game that let's be totally honest, Skyward Sword isn't the most popular Zelda and isn't generating a huge amount of excitement. Maybe I'm sure the Skyward Sword fans are going to come in and yell at me a whole bunch for saying this thing, but that's just my personal opinion. I mean, I, second I, thing I'm is, a big Skyward Sword apologist and I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing is we decided collectively a while ago that we can kind of deal with DLC and paywalled features if it's cosmetic. But when you start putting gameplay features behind a paywall, that becomes a big problem. And the connection that I would draw is actually to when EA was putting uh, character progression behind loot boxes and that kind of thing. And frankly, if this were EA, if EA were releasing a little figure that had a key quality of life uh, improvement to say one of their Star Wars games, they would be just freaking ex- excoriated. They would be this would be a major blow up for like a solid week. So Nintendo, in its own weird way, is getting a little bit of a pass for what I think is actually kind of unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree there. I was going to say too, um, Skyward Sword HD I mean, it is a is a portable game. I mean, it's a it's it's a Switch game, right? But this is a game that you theoretically should be able to bring everywhere. So also having this uh, feature locked behind a piece of plastic, I don't know if that's something you're going to have to repeatedly scan or bring with you everywhere. Um, I didn't even think about that. Cause yeah, yeah I think I you mean, do have oh to repeat. God. I think you have to scan it every time <laughs> yeah, you go up time. and every time you go back. So that's I did also, not even think about that. Yeah. And I, and to me, it's like, it's also, if you think about, you know, I brought up wind waker uh, HD uh, when it came to Wii U, there was like a special collector's edition version of it where you could get like a Ganon figure. That wasn't an Amiibo because Amiibo wasn't really a thing back then, I, I, or at least I don't believe it was. Um, and so uh, they're capable of making just figures. They can just make a statue or a toy. And I wish they had done that here because instead you have this thing that has to be Amiibo. And so it has to have this functionality. It's also, you look at the value proposition of this when this game originally launched, Skyward Sword launched bundled with a Wii Motion Plus controller and a soundtrack CD. And now there's a special edition controller sold separately. There's no soundtrack CD because nobody has CD players anymore. And there's an Amiibo that you have to buy separately if you can even find it. And so like, I, I feel like, and, and keep in mind, the game is 60 bucks. And so you, not only did they, you know, they've updated it a little bit. You know, they, they've, there's some new tweaks. There's some new control options. Um, it has HD next to the name now. So I imagine it's going to look better. But it does seem like a lot of the physical goods that were packaged originally with this with this game are now stripped away and being kind of mined out for parts. And I'm not super crazy about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I even... The, I, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this now. That limited edition gold controller bundle for Skyward Sword was mm-hmm. $70. Right, which means That's you got a crazy. controller, a, a, a soundtrack CD, and the full game for $10 more than you're getting just the game right now. Yeah, the Nintendo knows it can get away with it, too, because no. it yeah. has a hyper engaged and ravenous fan base. And they're setting themselves up as kind of this premium hobbyist thing, which isn't actually a terrible move on their, that, that front. Like, I don't mind paying extra for Nintendo junk, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, I'm because I'm a Nintendo to, fan. I'm going to try to buy this Amiibo, which is like the most yeah. frustrating part of this. It's a beautiful Amiibo. The, it really is. The Link's Awakening Amiibo is one of my favorite things they've ever done. That's one of my favorite games ever made. I could not 
I, I Casey, I helped you with the guide for that game. I literally don't remember what that amiibo does because I don't care. It's it's on <laughs> yeah, my it's on my shelf it's and pretty. it looks it looks cute. Yeah. That's that's what it does. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. most most amiibo. I don't really remember what they do. I mean, except the that Twilight Princess Wolf amiibo. Like that was a cool little feature, but it wasn't like game breaking or necessary. A lot of them are just like even the the Monster Hunter ones, like the layered armor or allowing you to get like free items every day. I think most amiibo that's what they do. They get you like some free junk every day in game which is nice but not a huge bonus or anything like they could have done so many other cool things with this amiibo that did not completely change the way you could play this game like they could have made it like oh like uh scan this amiibo and it'll change the color of your uh giant shoe bill your loft wing it's like i would i would have bought it just for that it's like i want different colored loft wings i will buy this for that but Mm. and like it's it's worth pointing out and and i'm not encouraging Uh, this but there is an entire market of people uh who do make amiibo cards that have all the functionality of the figures but cost you know pennies so i'm just saying that's yeah (laughs) and are portable that's that's how i got fang and animal crossing it was great yeah Yeah. The, the thing the thing I keep coming back to, or like the comparison I keep coming back to in my head is like Assassin's Creed got a lot of crap for selling like those progress boosts or whatever they were calling them in in yeah. those games. And like I never really had a problem with those because it was just sort of like it's a single player game. If you want to buy experience points or items, like you know, that's your money. I'm not gonna tell you how to spend your money and you do what you want. But if Assassin's Creed had an item that was only like was like an integral gameplay feature or like an like a fast travel thing that was only available through a DLC, suddenly I'd be like, oh wait, that's weird. And I don't yep. like that's that's an odd thing to to package. And that's exactly what Nintendo is doing, except they're also locking it behind, like we were saying, this scarce plastic object. Yeah, no, I, I want wanna... both of you nailed it. Uh like I if, if to 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 break this down, if EA or Ubisoft did this. There would be hell to pay right now. Like people would be screaming about it. But when the beloved, you know, 200 year old toy company does it, it's like, ah, oh, it's you guys are cute. Great. <laughs> Love the bird. I want to send us back in time to 2007, 2006, when we were all complaining about $5 horse armor. Yeah. <laughs> oblivion and just be like, but look what happened. Yeah. God. Yeah. It has evolved into it's a way, way worse than that. Jeez. Ugh. But we complained. Well, I guess we the, tried. We tried to make it stop. Yeah, they just kept we did. <laughs> I I guess general consensus is that this is not okay, Nintendo. We're not happy with it. But also, we know so many people are just going to buy it that it's gonna. It's not. There's no reason for them to change. Yeah. There's no reason for them to to fix this. It's unfortunate. Like, I don't. Yeah. Um. If it weren't so pretty, man. It is just such a pretty amiibo, too. If it weren't so pretty, it wouldn't be so painful. I'm sure Nintendo's calculus is that the amount of money that they're going to make off this is totally worth the one-day news cycle where people are mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, unless, I don't know, like, what if when people re-review this and they don't have this quality of life feature, they're going to think about, like, if only I had the fast travel built into the game i would have scored this game so much more because it would have been so much better but now they don't have that well skyward sword has its own issues specifically when it comes to pacing so i I don't know if that's gonna fix that yeah i know it won't i was just being cheeky it's fine i don't know maybe some people really hated it i know like um 
the original system made it especially annoying if you're trying to 100% the game and had to like backtrack to places. There's kind of a lot of backtracking in Skyward Sword already. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was interested in giving this game another chance cuz I I you know, like many of you when it came out, I'd like I liked it, but I didn't like it it was definitely not my favorite 3D Zelda. Uh but this is like stuff like this is not it's not helping, you know, like there's I, I'm, I'm hoping there's like we don't really know how many sort of quality of life features are happening behind the scenes this time around. Um, but I hope this isn't the only big one and it's it's stuck to a bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll find out. General consensus, the Skyward Sword Amiibo locking a fast travel quality of life game mechanic behind it is not OK by us. Don't know how you can fix it. Please, please fix it. I know complaining without offering solutions is not in good taste, but uh, we don't we don't work there. So that's not our problem to figure out a solution. Please, please find one. The solution Thank is you. everyone gets fast travel. There, done. That, there we go. You get like fast travel and you get fast travel. <laughs> Thank you, Nintendo, I, in advance for this solution that we have just suggested to you. <laughs> but there is more news besides the Zelda Amiibo we just talked about and the Mario golf super rush trailer and this i assume uh tom might be a little bit sad about uh, the headline is don't expect hollow knight silk song at e3 team cherry has no announcements or blogs planned and according on discord pointed out in the hollow knight subreddit and uh silk song was last seen in e3 2019 what's going on tom i am numb <laughs> no so uh this is this is not this is disappointing it's disappointing here this isn't going to be at e3 um it is not entirely unexpected and it's not like a devastating blow to me because the way team cherry operates and we've always known this about this development team is they like to keep their heads down until they have something to actually talk about and show it's a small team right like the the team that did all the art and coding i believe for uh, the first game was two people. And like, since then they've hired a third, right? Like it is not, this is, they're a really small team. They work very intimately on their stuff and they, they make sure that when they're ready, they they show it when they're ready. Um, it's a little bit funny that we haven't seen anything yet because they had, like, I played the demo at E3 2019, right? And, like, it was in a really good state. And obviously, E3 demos are these polished vertical slices that are not entirely representative of where the whole game is at by any means. But, like, it was so, like, tangible then that I would have thought we would have had it by now. But I'm also absolutely not in any rush because I know that the more time that this team takes to make exactly what they want to make, the better it is going to be for a silk song. So they can, they can take, yeah, I'm really hungry for new info, but they can take literally all the time they want in the world to make this game. I, I kind of appreciate the recent trend of reverse E3 announcements where people are <laughs> like, we, we're not going to be at E3. Like that's, I, I, it feels like something Nintendo did a couple years ago too, where they were just like, this won't be there. This won't be there. This won't be there. And you're like, okay, well that's, I have, you know, I can kind of level my expectations a little bit now. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. And, and to be fair to like, to, to their credit, they have been doing teases and things little in community engagement stuff with their discord and their Reddit. So it's not like they've like completely fallen off the map. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not at all worried that this game is like in development hell or anything. I think they're just taking their time. Yeah. And yeah. as usual, the pandemic 
messes with everything. I don't know what their work from home status is and everything, but I, everybody, everybody is being delayed right now. So I'm not surprised that Hollow Knight is taking more time. And frankly, they could put out a, a reveal, like a trailer, like a week before it comes out and everybody would be super hyped and be ready to go. So they don't necessarily have to show anything before they're ready. Mm -hmm. I think those are very level-headed, well-thought-out responses, and I think that's that's all we can say about it. That said, Still, watching yeah. this trailer again is, like, physically causing me pain, because I'm like, it's so pretty, I want to play it now. It's gorgeous, my god, the animation on some of the larger enemies. I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's play some more Hollow Knight. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in, in the middle of replaying Hollow Knight for the fourth, was- fourth fifth, I don't know, time um, right now, and, like, it is really incredible to look at the visual changes that they've made in this game it, like compared to that side by side is like they've really done an amazing thing to kind of add richness add depth add color in places that the original didn't quite have yeah the original was very blue and this one seems to be to have many more colors and i actually kind of appreciate that even down uh to hornet the I, she's named hornet right um yeah with the uh with with a little bit of red as opposed to black i think that helps a lot yeah, this looks it looks beautiful. It looks great. And I am so excited for both of you. Tom, I was going to recommend that you start replaying it just to like, you know, get used to it again before to hold you over. But you're already doing it. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> Way I don't know what else I would have expected. <laughs> so, yeah, that's slightly disappointing. But like they said, we'll see uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song when Team Cherry is ready and then it'll be beautiful and wonderful and fantastic regardless. But Available not not right now, but soon. These games are going to come out on May 26. There are new Nintendo Switch online games have been announced, and this with this collection will surge the number of games over 100. Man, that was a weird way to say that. There will be more than 100 <laughs> classic games available to through the Nintendo Switch online subscription, which is a lot and the games coming on may 26 include a bunch of super nintendo games including super baseball simulator 1 1.0 or 1000 one of those caveman ninja which is also known as joe and mac magical drop 2 spanky's quest and on the nes we have ninja jaja maru-kun and kat i know that you are specifically excited about a few of these games yeah i'm really excited about magical drop 2 because one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Super Nintendo version in particular is that we've been getting a lot of random import puzzle games. Like we got Puyo Puyo. We got another game. I can never remember its name, honestly, but I actually play those games a lot. They're really beautiful on the Super Nintendo. They weren't easily easy to obtain back in the day. And I think that's just a huge value add. Traditionally, Magical Drop 2 has been more of a Neo Geo puzzler, but it's also very good on the Super Nintendo. It never came out here. Uh, there was some discussion online uh, because apparently this was fan translated, but this is not a fan translation. This is an official Western release. So it's a little bit of a underrated ad, but I, I think it's great. The rest of the games that are coming out, uh, Spanky, Spanky's Quest is interesting because it's from uh, Natsume. I don't know a huge amount about it, but it has um, a small fan base. And then Joe and Mac, uh, there's been like some groundswell for a reboot of it. I think that it's a bit of a 16-bit artifact, but, um, and honestly, I thought it was already out, but so goes. Um, out of all of these- A different caveman game got added. 
but out, out of all of these magical drop two is definitely the one that i'm most excited about but of course all the discourse on twitter as soon as this game all of these games got announced was where's earthbound and i didn't realize that earthbound on snes online was such a conversation until it was actually literally trending on twitter so and i mean i would love to have it on the snes online but i think it speaks to a kind of a deeper thing of people want games that they recognize and maybe not the extremely deep cuts that nintendo routinely releases on nintendo switch online Mm -hmm. it's on it's on the snes classic right it is yes yeah so i think that's that's probably where that conversation came from because it's like they're like if it's there then why isn't it here uh which you know i i guess i'm kind of sympathetic with but you're i think you're totally right like this is for me, this has been an interesting experiment for them to bring weirder, deeper cut games to the Switch that I probably wouldn't have ever thought of playing. Um, whereas like the SNES Classic was, you know, here is the definitive legacy of the system or as close as we can get to approximating that, you know, with some help from some third parties. But either way, like this, this feels more like uh, it, it's hovering around where virtual console used to get close to, which is bringing in a bunch of... Uh, third parties to do stuff that uh we probably forgot about you know um uh, that system or that that era had saw a lot more support and it's cool to see them slowly but surely reaching that again uh although you know it's it's different this time you're not buying them piecemeal you're they're you know, they keep adding more value to this thing so yeah i'd, I'd love Earth, earthbound i you know uh, it's i i feel like no matter what they do no matter what they add people are going to keep asking for it so they can't wait until they add that yeah, uh, I'm into it, honestly. Go ahead, Tom. Well, Earthbound was one that they also added to the Wii U Virtual Console, right? And when they added it to the Virtual Console, everyone was like very excited that they did have that. So I think that it is also one of those ones that like, it's one of those instances with the Virtual Console being not existing anymore where we're like, well, we had it before. Can we have Can we have it again, please? Like, <laughs> you know, we like people are missing that it, it's gone. Um, I loved Joe and Mac when I was a kid. I played a ton of Joe and Mac. And then also I didn't know that I played Spanky's Quest until I just was watching this trailer again. And I was like, I remember that monkey bouncing balls fighting an apple. I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I realize. You go ahead, Kat. (laughs) When it comes to Earthbound. It's always been kind of a weird situation for Nintendo because uh, back on the back in the days of the Wii, everybody was wanting it for virtual console and it just would not come out. It would not come out when it not come out. Finally, it came out on the Wii U. People were very happy. It eventually made it to the 3DS and the SNES Classic. But Nintendo is always so weirdly cagey about Mother and Earthbound and that and those kinds of games. And I don't know if it's a licensing thing or what, but yeah. Wait, can I, I do something just... mean? Yeah. Are you just gonna Earthbound? Um, Wait, it's out of focus, but it's there. I promise. <laughs> Earthbound on Switch. Oh, oh my god! Oh, there you go. You. All right. Um, You're evil. <laughs> Tom just took an Earthbound cartridge and physically put it on top of his Nintendo Switch. For those of you who are listening, because I'm for mean. That <laughs> See, it's so easy, Nintendo. Just do that. Oh my goodness. I, I just wanted to mention, like, I, I'm realizing now with all of these games coming out and everyone talking, it's like, oh, I played that as a kid. Uh, child me did not ask for enough things. I should have asked for more things. I had the Lion King and the Super Mario World and the Mario Collection. That is literally it. Those are all the games that I ever had. I never asked for anything else. 
I am disappointed in child me for not asking for more things. Like, <laughs> hey, let's go to the game store and get new games. No, I was happy with playing The Lion King 12,000 times. Wow. Disappointed I'm... in myself. Did you finish it? Because that's one of the most notoriously hard games. I did, I did finish games. it. And wow. That's I'm why impressed. I did. Because I had no other games. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but I meanwhile, feel meanwhile, I'm the weirdo over here being like, why don't they add Bob or Plock to the Nintendo online? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was also trending on Twitter. The what is day. that? Yeah. What is that? Bob is one Bob is one where you're an you're like an, a robot going through like it's like a side scrolling platformer shooter that is one of my favorite classic probably not very good Super Nintendo games that I just remember from my childhood and then Plock is a game about a guy who uh his hands and legs are disconnected from his body and his underwear is stolen and so he has to go on a journey across the world to find no his flag the flag in front of his house and the underwear is is never mind what? Uh, and yeah and it's like a platformer where you can throw your arms and legs and like then they can get taken from you and so like if you just are like missing your legs you're just kind of like bouncing along as a body it's like a very weird game but it's actually really fun or i remember it being very fun it's not a body horror mm, he's, he's like a concept he, yeah he's like a, <laughs> yeah. Very, he's a little cartoony dude he's not like a human looking dude okay i believe you <laughs> there's a lot to unpack back there tom yeah thank you for right. that so i guess my question is like now that there are there will be more than 100 classic games on the nintendo switch online um classic games system are you taking advantage of everything that it's offering oh heck yeah i play my nintendo i play both the snes and the nes app all the time um i especially like super mario all-stars or uh super ghouls and ghosts because i don't know like there will be times where i'll just be like i i need a chaser and i'll hop into one of those things and play a retro game that i really enjoy unfortunately i'm like one of the two people i know who actually do play those apps on a super regular basis this is strictly secondhand but my understanding is that not a lot of people actually play games on those which is really disappointing because it makes me worry at times that nintendo will just get bored and give up but what we're seeing i think the fact that we see so many deep cuts and there's not a huge amount of effort to put the really big games out there like i'm sure a lot of people would be really thrilled to have for example square enix rpgs available through uh, snes classic online but Nintendo is probably going, well, it's just not worth the expenditure of effort to get these games on here because nobody is playing these. We'll just cater to the crazy hobbyists like Cat, who wants to play Magical Drop 2. I wonder if it has to do with the way they are sort of, you know, uh, compartmentalized within the app. Like, I, I feel like on the virtual console, uh, you would look at a big logo on the homepage of your Wii or your Wii U and you or your, you know, your 3DS and you would go. Hey, uh, you know, Super Mario World or Super Ghouls and Ghosts, one of my favorite like old school games of all time. Um, I'm going to play that. Whereas you see the Super Nintendo controllers and you're like, well, there's like, a, I don't know, like 70 games in there. What's you open it up and it's like, you know, these huge tiles. They're all like in different shapes. And you're like, I'm, oh, there's new ones. Where do I start? Like, I, yeah. I don't know how to solve for that. I like outside of folders or something, but you don't actually, you know, you're it would be weird to put these games in folders because they're all contained within one app. I, th I feel like a lot of games that have sort of like a, a collection aspect to them um, suffer from the same issue. Now, I was going to mention a very similar thing, Brian. I desperately 
want to be able to customize my home screen for my switch because i'm one of those people if i don't see it i kind of forget that it exists yeah and that's the case with like everything like literally everything like if i put a pair of pants like somewhere that i just don't look at all the time i'm going to forget that i own that pair of pants and i will buy another one down the line that's almost exactly the same like i need to be able to see things to remember that they are there and that is the same thing or games unless it's something that's always on the top of my mind and there's not a whole lot of space for things always on the top of my mind so i need no, that it's, it's like I need that you visual. Your, your canned goods are at the back of your pantry there's like weird stuff at the back of your fridge and like when you go to make lunch today you're not going to be like let's check what's at the very back of my fridge or like you no. know the deep the bottom drawer of the freezer like that's i feel like a lot of switch games go there because you know by nature of whatever you're playing is fresh and new the squares push the old squares down until they're off the front page and then they're they're dead forever. <laughs> I just and I just like don't I just don't remember them. I just don't. And it's weird because the demos that you download will push those off as well. And the demos will take up a square and that I don't know. I, I think if I was able to customize my screen and then have those two, the NES and the SNES apps always in the forefront, I would check them way more often than i do now because right now i have to go and like look for them and i don't know i'm i guess i'm really lazy <laughs> and i don't want to look for them in the huge list i have going on in my games but i'd love if at the very least you could keep them as like the little circles on the bottom and get rid of yes. I think there's like an online button there or like a, a news button like i don't need those things necessarily i personally would rather customize that and pop in nes and snes logos down there and be like oh and they blink when there's new games there so that would we're, be solving perfect. It. we're solving everything today yeah that is the perfect solution that is what i want i would use those apps way more often if i had a visual reminder every time i turned on my switch like mm -hmm. hey use this thing <sighs> i so. think they would be really helpful if you could have a direct shortcut to a game that you want on mm -hmm. your actual lineup of games so instead of having to click into the super nintendo app i could for example put super metroid just right there on the screen right next to breath of the wild so it doesn't feel as compartmentalized and mm -hmm. that, i think that would help the visibility issue a lot because i agree it is a real out of sight out of mind issue um i use my snes app all the time so it's always like right there mm -hmm. uh, for me but i know for a lot of people that simply isn't the case I, I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this in the comments, so just, I don't know, forgive me in advance. It's just, it's a me problem. I recognize that it is a me problem that the out of sight, out of mind thing is so, such a problem with me. So I understand that that is not your problem and you use it just it's, fine. It's that's, not that's a you totally problem. Valid. It's, I'm the weirdo who plays it. <laughs> like most people do not play this thing. And I did want to ask the audience, like, do you actually take full advantage of all of these games available to you if you subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online? Please let us know in the comments below. I'm very interested to know, like, how many people have discovered games they would have never known existed and found new favorites? Because I think that's a, this is a really great discovery tool for classic games mm -hmm. that I'm not using enough and I should. But let's move on to some games out this week. We yes, we're bringing this topic back for this week as Tom is on and he's very kind to fill some stuff out as well as Kat. And there are quite a few games out this week, including SnowRunner. Uh, Tom, if you would just like to take it over, because these were your sure. picks. Besides, yeah. The only thing I would have put, put on here is Baldur's Gate. So take so it away. Snow, SnowRunner is is like the weirdest pitch for a 
game that is actually very fun. It's a sequel to Spin Tires Mud Runner, and it's literally just like a trucking kind of simulator is sort of the right but also wrong word. Um, it's incredibly physics based. So like all the mud and snow simulations are like incredibly in depth. And literally, it's just a game about like doing deliveries. But it's way more fun than that because you unlock new areas, new maps, new trucks as you go. And it's just this really fun challenge of like driving from point A to point B, but that being like really like a fun sort of physics-y terrain puzzle. Because if you get stuck in the snow or stuck in the mud, then you might have to like attach a winch to a tree to pull yourself out or like maybe you'll have to like restart part of the run. It's just really, really fun. And this includes a lot of the DLC. This is also just a game I wanted to call out because it's one I didn't really expect to ever come to Switch. It is uh, it's a really pretty game. I haven't played it on Switch myself, but it's a really pretty game. It's a really physics heavy game. So like it's just really this is a very unique thing on the switch so any driving game kind of fans or like that sort of thing i think should definitely take a look at it tom oh, have you seen you. the movie sorcerer no it's like a i believe 70s or 80s uh sort of like action drama movie about a bunch of guys on a truck delivering a bunch of tnt and they're driving <laughs> through the jungle and they basically have to cross rope bridges and it's uh i believe kojima was inspired by it for some aspects of death stranding which is you know has a lot of that sort of build a bridge carry a bunch of junk over it hopefully you don't fall um but yeah check it out if you like uh precarious trucks <laughs> driving over natural elements it's called sorcerer yeah which yeah. makes it sound like it's a fantasy movie but it's very not very not <laughs> lies also out this week is Sunless Skies Sovereign Edition out on the 19th for $25. Tom, you described this as a top-down adventure exploration game where you were the captain of a space train. Space train! Yeah. Uh, this is a sequel to Sunless Sea, um, and it's basically just a very sort of like dark story-driven adventure game that's all done from a top-down perspective where you're like the captain of a space ship, but the ship is a train, and it's it's very, very aesthetically cool. Um it's a really fun one. It's I like it actually more than Sunless Sea as well, because I think that they made some of the combat and that sort of thing a little more engaging. Um, and I also just love the idea that you are the captain of a space train. That is a hard thing to to pass for me. OK, space train. Got you. You got me. And the next one on this list, I'm going to be playing this tonight. I am excited. It's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance out on the 20th for thirty dollars. Um, you know, when I first read about this, I heard that there wasn't going to be couch co-op, but now I'm hearing that there is only couch co-op. I guess I will find out specifically when I play it tonight and I'll come back next week to tell you about it. But this is a um, a re-release of an older Baldur's Gate, uh, like hack and slash type game with co-op. And yeah, it's a classic of action RPGs. A lot of people love Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and... Hey, who knows if it does if it's successful enough dark alliance 2 might also get a re-release yeah. and this is also like this re-release came out of nowhere but is aren't they like making a dark alliance new like a new dark alliance they game rebooting it. yes yeah yep. so i think that must be why it's like just sort of like came out all of a sudden hey baldur's gate's back in because baldur's gate 3 is under development that's true we're embarking on the summer of dritz from <laughs> wizards of the coast right. yeah I just it's all D &D all the time I'm excited. Yep. My, my mm -hmm. like all of my main campaigns I've ever played in, like Baldur's Gate, was always been the main city. 
we should, we should, I should pay more attention to Waterdeep next time. Let's give us a, <laughs> give us a Waterdeep game. But yeah, excited for that. Also out this week is Metopia out on the 21st for $50. I'm sure everyone listening to this episode already knows how Reb feels about this. Uh, she hates it. Is, is there anyone on the on the panel today that disagrees with her? Does she she hates well, the, the idea of the game or the price? Oh no, it's just, just kind of a boring RPG. Yeah, it's it's a fairly generic RPG ultimately, mm-hmm. which is kind of by design. The stars of the game are the Mies that you're like yeah. creating. It's kind of a weird throwback because Mies haven't been in style for Nintendo for quite a long time, so it's a very random re-release. But I. Th- it mean Metopia kind of had a moment where it was going viral a little bit because people were making they they really added to the character creators so people were really adding or creating some really fantastic characters we did a little roundup gallery over at, at IGN and then they added some extra things like there's a little bit of a persona element in the switch version of Metopia where instead of building up relationships with other Mies in the inn, you can now go to like movie theaters and that kind of thing. So Mies having dates, maybe kissing, that kind of thing. Oh, hey. And and also there's a horse. Now there's a horse that you can recruit. So a horse. Dating and horses. Yeah, that's all you need. It's a bit bit steep at $50. And I don't really think that i'm going to pick it up it's such a weird artifact that it's almost like why is nintendo putting this out but people are having fun with the demo at least yeah yeah if you are interested there is that free demo so go check that out and if you really really love it like i don't know maybe maybe give it a shot i would say like you could always wait for a sale but what are what are the chances i think those are pretty slim But there are a couple of other games out this week that are a little bit smaller, but still worth mentioning, including Aerial Knights Never Yield out on the 19th for $12. Tom, what is Aerial Knights Never Yield? This is kind of like a bit trip runner style run, jump, dodge game where you're running to the right. But it's um, from a really cool indie developer who we featured. I think we featured him or featured this game through Gamescom last year. Um, then it just like is a really great style. It's got a great soundtrack. It's just a very cool looking one of those. I haven't had a chance to play it myself yet, though. Oh, and uh, what about Layers of Fear 2 out on the 20th for $30? Just today. I, I don't like s- spooky games, so <laughs> this is one I have not played. But this came out in, I believe, 2019 and is a pretty well-liked uh, scary horror adventure type game. Mm-hmm. I played this one. Uh, I liked it. I I love spooky games, so I'm weird, but <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, hopefully the Switch port runs well. I haven't checked yet. Oh. And last on this list is Rise of the Slime. I actually heard some people talking about this in the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Please join if you're interested. Saying that if you like Slay the Spire, you might like this game. So I, I know literally nothing about it beyond that. It, it's been in early access on Steam for a little while, and it just left early access, which is why it's also hitting Switch. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, the Slave Spire comparison is really spot on, not to, you know, sell them short or anything. Um, it's just a very good kind of touch point for that. And it's, the, the difference is that it's got a little bit of like side scrolling adventuring going on. So it's not just like, I don't mean to imply it's just a ripoff, but it is, you know, a deck building, dungeon crawling battle card battler game. Like, I'm not sure if there. Oh, there is a demo out on Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch. So, oh. go in and check that out. 
For sure. And those are all the games we thought were worth mentioning that are out this week. Those games were SnowRunner, Sunless Skies, Sovereign Edition, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, Metopia, Aerial Knights Never Yield, Layers of Fear 2, and Rise of the Slime. But now let's move on to games that we have already been playing. Uh, Kat, let's start with you. Well, I've been playing Famicom Detective Club. I just started it up last night. and. Same. Ultimately, it's a fairly simple visual novel that harkens back to the days of the NES. Uh, the things, so here are the things that I find really interesting about it. First of all, I love the animation. It is just gorgeous. It has a lot of character to it. I love how firmly set it is in Japan. And when I compare it to other visual novels, it just really leaps out and just having the characters doing things and seeing the like nicely kind of lush watercolor animations in the background. It's just, it, it's really great. And I just want to just kind of settle in and play this wonderful little visual novel. And it it's a throwback to the days of the NES in the sense that I remember reading import columns on like Nintendo Power and they would often highlight games like Famicom Detective Club because the idea of having a visual novel on the NES was a really foreign concept to a lot of Americans. So I'm really happy that we've finally gotten to the point where games like Famicom Detective Club can be remade and come out here in the US. And beyond that, I'm playing I'm still playing Monster Hunter Rise. I am playing Monster Hunter Rise forever, but I finally just got to high rank seven. So it won't be long before I am starting to get to the end game, which is great because in about a week, I think they're going to formally reveal all of the end game for Monster Hunter Rise. And we can really start digging into that next rank. It's I, I'm desperate to get to Master Rake for heaven's sake. <laughs> cool. And uh, Brian, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing a game on Switch called this sounds like a joke. It's a, this is a real title. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. <gasps> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. how is it? I've been looking at it I just beat that over the weekend, actually. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it adorable? Uh, it is um, sort of like a bite-sized uh, sort of a little hack and slashy, but kind of more Zelda-like. It's it's got some sort of environmental puzzles. You go around this uh, bizarre town and just kind of talk to weird strangers. Most of them are are, are variations of different talking vegetables. Um, you get a obtuse weapons and do weird quests uh and fight bosses like pigs and stuff like that uh it's it's really really cute um i i don't really know what to make of it i don't know how this game came together it has one of the most sort of bizarre titles i've ever I, like the, it's almost like they specifically were like how do we make this title confusing um <laughs> but yeah it is about a turnip that commits uh tax fraud um and has to you know basically bring a town together, uh, solve a bunch of mysteries and do puzzles, and I think continue to commit uh, tax evasion as he goes on. So yeah, this is a this is a fun little game. You can probably finish it in a few hours. Uh, it's if you're looking for sort of like a something to kind of scratch that 2D top down Zelda itch. Uh, this will do it for you. The pixel art's fun. Um, I'm not crazy about the music. And I feel like really? the, uh, yeah, I don't I'm not I'm not really I some of it's really good. Some of it's like very lo-fi hip hop, but some of yeah. it's a little a little bizarre for me. Um, but yeah, all in all, like this is this is a very like awesome little surprise. I was not expecting to like this game so much. So check it out. Yeah, I, I can agree. I talked about it a little bit last week, but I, I really enjoyed it and I, I I finished it. I actually went back and finished it. Usually a lot of times when I play a game just to check it out and see how it is. I, I don't finish games, but I went back and finished it all on my own time. Just like I had free time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish Turnip Boy. 
And I did. And the second to last boss was actually really hard, <laughs> but I did it. Um, and yeah, that's, I don't know. It was good. I recommend it. It was very funny. I laughed out loud many, many times. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, have you been playing anything else? No, just uh, Resident Evil 8 for like the third or fourth time. I really <laughs> like that cool. Love the werewolves and, and everything. Good time. Go play it if you have the options to do that. <laughs> Tom, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been jumping around to a lot of non-Tendo stuff. Obviously, I said I was playing Hollow Knight, but I'm playing that on PS5 just because it's a platform I have not played Hollow Knight on yet, of which I am running out of those. So figured why not? Um, uh, I'm also playing through Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is also not on Switch. I'm playing through Persona 5 Royal, which is also to everybody's chagrin, not on Switch. Um, and I'm dipping into Monster Hunter Rise occasionally, but I kind of did all the stuff that came in the last update and like hit another wall and was like, all right, I'll just I'll come back to this when the next thing comes out at the end of this month. Um, but one thing I did want to kind of report on, which isn't on Switch yet, is Getsu Fumiden came out on uh PC in early access, which is the new Konami game that they I know new Konami game that uh, they revealed in a that recent switch like showcase. Um, so they revealed this in a Nintendo showcase, but it's out. I think they said it's going to be in early access for like a year. And it's like a it's a follow up to an NES game. It's like a successor sequel sort of blend of a thing. Um, and it's like a roguelite kind of like Dead Cells style platformer combat game with just this beautiful art style. Um, I haven't played a ton of it yet. I'm, I'm still early on, uh, but it seems pretty cool so far. Like it, it's it's surprise. It's really, really pretty. Uh, it's very challenging. The It feels pretty good to play. It seems like it's got a lot of really cool sort of aspects to it little rough around the edges um especially in some of the sort of tutorialization and some of the menu stuff definitely has some rough edges here and there but it is an early access game um and i'm just sort of excited to see where this goes and i'm excited to see it eventually come to the switch because it's just like like it's it's really unexpected i guess is the thing that i took away from it more than anything else yeah, what an interesting yeah. deep cut from Konami. Yeah. I kind of love that it's come around. And I was never expecting a game like this to come out. But man, I'm watching the trailer right now. And this game looks really, really good. Is it every bit as good in action when you're actually playing it as it looks in the trailer? It feels really... F the, the controls, that, like for your actual controls, it feel really, really good. Like they actually does like the dodge feels nice. The jumping, the combat feels fine. The thing I didn't, I haven't played enough of it to get a sense of it. It does feel a little bit like the enemies are a little hard to read and kind of have a lot of health. But that could just be me being early on, right? Like I, I don't know enough to say yet. What I've played so far feels challenging, but pretty cool i think the level design is also a little simple but again i'm only really seeing the first world so like it's hard for me to really judge that at this point um another cool thing that uh, came out of this is if you buy it in early access and this is not me saying go buy it in early access this is just a cool thing is um if you buy it in early access on steam it automatically adds the original nes getsufumiden to your steam account as a separate application mm. Um, and I looked it up, and this is the first time that this game has ever been available outside of Japan. So wow. they've they've brought it to the virtual console on Wii U and 3DS, but it was um, only available in Japan because it's only ever been a Famicom game. And it's like even this version in the US or in this re-release is 
um, is in Japanese. Like, it's not translated. But this is the first time you've ever been able to, like, legally, officially acquire this game outside of Japan, the original Famicom Getsufumiden. And it's, like, basically, from the little bit I played of it, and I did not play much because it's very... Uh, let's be kind and say retro. Um, it's basically just like a very Japanese, like Castlevania. It's like kind of, it's kind of neat, but also very, very old. <laughs> well, I mean, the and art looks to... fantastic. Mm. Sorry, Kat, what were you going to say? <laughs> Between Getsu Fumida and Famicom Detective Club and uh, Magical Drop 2, it's real Japanese import week over here on Nintendo Voice Chat. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And I was... I, I should have mentioned this before, but I, I did briefly mention I also started Famicom Detective Club. And one of the cool things they implemented in that is you can actually change the music back to the original uh, arrangement. So you can switch back and huh. forth between the the remix and like the, the new the new arrangement and the original one. And it's just it's just really cool hearing the difference between the two. And I'm glad that they included that. And they did not do English voice actors but everything is voice acted in japanese and i think it might be interesting if you were trying to learn japanese to play this game and try and like use the the translation and the text um while while playing it to kind of like help bolster your language skills it might be interesting but i thought the writing was really interesting and it was kind of fun it there's not a whole lot of like gamification in this in this novel to my in my opinion, it's kind of a lot of just. It will go by a lot more smoothly if you put some thought into your options, but if you just keep picking stuff at random, you'll eventually be able to move on. <laughs> but the story is is really interesting. <laughs> um, I've also been playing Monster Hunter Rise, as Kat and Tom have said, but I haven't finished the the last update's content, and I really need to do that before we get to the new content again. I just haven't had a lot i've been i've still been working on pokemon snap wiki there's just seems to be an endless amount of stuff and i've been replaying the same missions the same the same courses over and over and over again and man i'm really tired of trying to get pokemon to do particular things by doing skill shots with things that are not meant to be skill shots like imagine I don't know. Imagine playing Call of Duty and trying to get headshots with a ball that is floaty and also you're on a moving <laughs> object and also it changes into a curveball or not a curveball at any moment. But you can't control any of that. You just kind of have to like hope it goes where you want it to go. <sighs> well, that sounds really intense. I, I play a lot of MLB The Show and I do challenges where they'll be like, hit three home runs in one game. And I'll be like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. So I kind of feel it when you're like kind of struggling to hit those very specific requirements that are not that easy to get. Yeah. And it's, I'm not saying it's the hardest game in the world. It really isn't that hard. It's just mildly annoying when you're trying to do a specific thing and get a specific shot for, for a wiki and then have to redo it a million times to get something good. But anyway, those are the games that we were playing. We talked about Famicom Detective Club, Getsu Fumiden, Hollow Knight, Mass Effect, Persona 5 Royal, Monster Hunter Rise, and Turnip Boy commits taxing. Really good, good array of games here. But let's move on to another game for Nintendo Voice Chat called Question Block, where we answer your questions, you being the audience back at home right now. You can always write to us at nvc at IGN.com or answer our question block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. This first question from, comes from a 
Guillermo Wagner, and they ask, what is your favorite old slash abandoned Nintendo hardware feature and what game used it best? And they offer some different varieties like Street Pass or Game Boy Advance, GameCube Link, the Super Game Boy Frames, etc. What is everyone's favorite old and abandoned Nintendo feature? I really miss the Miiverse on the Wii U. It was mm. a very cool little social platform. People would draw wonderful little pictures uh, used on the message boards and everything. And it was just an opportunity for Nintendo fans to express their creativity. And it kind of bums me out that Nintendo Switch, as much as I love that, that console, I really love my Switch. It doesn't have the same social features as the Wii U. So that is maybe one way in which I think the Wii U has bettered the Switch a little bit. And in my heart, I would love to be able to see goofy art on the Miiverse uh, community chat again. Uh, I really liked um, pretty much all of the bells and whistles that the Super Game Boy brought to the table. Uh, it was a really interesting way to play uh, Game Boy games on your obviously. But uh, one of the cool things about it was you could customize the color scheme that you wanted for that. But you also customize the border and frame around uh, the games themselves. And some games even had, you know, custom color palettes. They had custom frames like, you know, Donkey Kong 94, just one of my favorite games of all time. And, you know, they've ported Game Boy games to platforms of the last few years. Uh, most recently, the 3DS was the last time that game had a like pretty significant Game Boy library. And I bought most of them. Um, and there was really no way to like go in and customize the colors. There were different button uh, presses, I believe, that you could do at, at boot up. That would allow you uh, slightly different color schemes, but they were all kind of preset. But I remember playing Game Boy games and being able to pick out the four colors that you wanted for them and then switching between them, whether like if you're playing like Zelda, you went into a dungeon, you could switch to like more kind of like bluish and brown colors. But if you're outside, you could switch to greens and stuff like that. And I really like that. Like it was a really cool feature, but um, it's, you know, they've kind of abandoned it ever since. What about you, Tom? Street Pass was great, definitely. I liked Street Pass, but I think as weird as this is, my choice is going to be the Wii U gamepad. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, what? Tom, explain yourself. Do you want a Switch I... that you can't play more than 10 feet away from <laughs> your TV? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think that the Wii U gamepad opened the door for, specifically with Nintendo Land, some of the best asymmetrical multiplayer games ever created. Um, Mario Run and that Luigi thing, ghost hunting game, are just like some of the most fun I've literally ever had with other people sitting around a TV. Um, and the I, I'm I'm sad that that console didn't get more of a chance because I think it was the only gaming system that could and the Switch could do this with connecting and multiple switches, but the only kind of single gaming system that could allow experiences like that in a local setting where information was hidden from one player and not the others and or or, or hidden from some players and not one. Um, and yeah, I just regret that, that that's my biggest my biggest disappointment with the Wii U dying the way it did, not saying that it was this amazing system that should have lived forever or anything, but like it was in a position to do things that no other console could do or could have could do before or after. And and I'm sad about that because I think that Nintendo Land, while it had some some misses, had some really, really big hits too. Um, I totally agree with you. And you're giving me so much nostalgia for Animal Crossing Sweet Days, which my friends and I called Puke and Run because you're always <laughs> puking up the little fruits. 
yeah. what a wonderful game. And to piggyback on that a little bit, I really miss the second screen on the Nintendo DS for kind of similar mm. reasons that you were talking about. It's not the asymmetrical play so much as we're just losing gameplay opportunities. One of my favorite games on the Nintendo DS and 3DS is Etrian Odyssey. And one of the big questions that people are constantly asking is, when are we going to be able to get Etrian Odyssey on the Nintendo Switch? Well, that's really hard because we don't have a second screen. So as right. much as I love the Switch, we're kind of losing those opportunities, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of this, not for every game, but some of this could be solved by kind of making you use another switch to play i know that sounds terrible and but i think that's a better solution than not having the option at all but we i know we could get into this conversation a whole lot more but unfortunately that is all of the time we have left for nintendo voice chat this week if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform like spotify or apple i implore you to go check us out on ign games youtube channel and see the video version and see all the cool gameplay and other things you couldn't otherwise see like us we're not we're not that cool but our backgrounds are so come check us out every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and remember nintendo voice chat is the only place you can get the thing